Welcome to season four of the Fit Farming Food Mom podcast. Connie is a world champion powerlifter, former bodybuilder, and an elite trainer and nutrition coach. As a movement enthusiast and health nerd, she is here on this show to speak with educated guests and dive into the realm of all things health, fitness, mindset, and everything in between. If you enjoy this show, please do us a huge favor by smashing the like or subscribe button and leaving a review. Now, let's get to the show. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in a couple days late on the podcast this week as I have been super busy working with clientele and onboarding some new clients and that is my number one priority. However, I don't want you to go without a podcast this week. So today I have Andrew Coates from Andrew Coates Fitness coming on the podcast. He is a personal trainer, online coach, and one of the main contributors to several fitness magazines or articles, uh, one of which is T Nation. So you may have heard of him before. Today we kind of dive into all things coaching and what we can do best for our clients and followers. And it's a really great episode and I'm excited to have him. I also want to remind you that the Grapefruit LMNT is going to be out in just a few short days here. It is one of those ones that sells out fast. So if you need a high quality electrolyte that tastes great and doesn't have a bunch of artificial sweeteners, this is a great option. I know you have heard me talk about it on the podcast before, but I am a huge fan. I get a monthly subscription and I share it with my friends and my family and take it to kids soccer games so that they have something a little healthier than Gatorade. So I'm addicted. If you want to go over and check it out, it's drinklmnt.com forward slash Connie. I do believe that you get a discount with that code and they also send you a free gift. So pop on over and check it out. And without further ado, here is Andrew Coates. All right, Andrew, I'm super excited to have you on the show. I was supposed to have you on a couple months back, but that's when I was going through all my fun shoulder neck problems. And so we had to reschedule to now. Well, I'm grateful, Connie, that uh, you had me on. It's all good. It all works out in the grand scheme of things. Well, I'm excited to have you and I'm excited to have you talk because you're a big person in the fitness industry and we have, obviously there's so many great people in the fitness industry, but you have a lot of really good things to say. And, um, as you know, and I know the fitness industry can be a little bit interesting when it comes to <laughs> beliefs and things like that. So I wanted to get you on the show. We can dive into all things, fitness, fitness industry, whatever the show takes us through. That's kind of how I like to roll, uh, and yeah. dive into things. But I think to get started, we should, uh, let the audience know a little bit about you, who you are, what you do and how you get going this direction. <laughs> sure. It is, it is weird to be considered, quote, big in the fitness industry as been doing this 12 and a half years, <clears throat> spent a lot of time listening to fitness podcasts, uh, reading the articles of and consuming the media of people that I consider to be fitness authorities, leaders, big in the industry, and getting to speak at international fitness conferences to shoulder to shoulder with some of these people is sort of a surreal experience, but that's been kind of cool. So. Uh, there's been a whole bunch of public speaking in the last couple of years, but along the way, yeah, started out, I'm still a personal trainer. I still work very full-time online coaching, um, some online group stuff. And God, I worked for a commercial gym for six years, left there because I'm pretty sure that environment just spiraled into terrible. So I've owned my own business and I contract out a friend's gym the last six and a half years. And that friend is a partner in a conference that we are, we did in 2019 and we all know what happened in 2020. We're not going to talk about that. So we're rebooting it. I'll mention that later, but we've got something coming up at Edmonton in October, October 13th to 14th. And then a, another good friend of mine wanted to start a podcast, shit, five and a half years ago. We did that for a while, 150 episodes. He had to leave, raise his newborn daughter. So it's been mine ever since. It's called now called the Lift Free and Diet Hard Podcast. And then four and a half years ago, I got an invitation to start writing for T Nation. I've been writing for my own website before that. And that sort of blew up into a regular contributor there, um, which led to uh, invites to write for True Coach, uh, Generation Iron, 
personal trainer development center, Barben. Now I'm also a regular contributor with Muscle Fitness Magazine. I've written for Men's Health. I'm working on a couple of things that you learn that you do not count anything until it's officially like on pitch. I've been paid to write for, well, I mean, I actually tell the story a fair bit. I've been paid to write for bodybuilding.com. There is an author's page on bodybuilding.com. But before the article was published, the publication was sold and the editor moved on. And one of his regrets was he didn't quite get it up on the page. So technically speaking, I don't wave around that I've actually done something for bodybuilding.com. But in the grand either, I've gotten to do a lot of cool stuff. I've gotten to coach a lot of people. And then three and a half years ago, I decided, all right, well, I need to actually like take social media seriously because everything else was really on lockdown. And so I started posting on social media and then that gained traction, traction, traction. And then over the course of, you know, that space of time, that kind of skyrocketed as well, which it's funny, you do all these other things and people find you because they like a post <laughs> and then they go, oh, this person has a lot of followers, which is social proof. Therefore, they'll follow you more readily. And that's also why people will do stupid shit like buying fake followers on social media. And it goes to, you know, what you started to say about kind of, you know, our industry gets a little goofy. I think our industry can sometimes get caught up in complaining about and policing what other people say and do in the industry. And they actually completely miss serving the end person. Like the person listening right now, I actually want to make sure this is valuable to you. So this might help. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at the different personalities in the fitness industry and you notice that they're they're arguing, they're fighting, they're sharing different viewpoints, sometimes often the stuff is extreme, uh, simple promises of easy, but also whether it's a different training idea. We've seen this sort of rise in the biomechanics sort of community or nutritional ideology, some of the more extreme diets. What's kind of happening is is the old proven basics. It's it's cliche to say, but it's not super sexy. So it's also harder to brand around, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the, the industry is still sort of in its infancy because it's a newer industry, but it's more mature than it was 20 years ago where it was probably easier to stand out. Obviously, you didn't have social media. So the gatekeepers were different. You had to go through the kind of the mainstream publications, right? And mm-hmm. YouTube was probably in its infancy. Some people blew up on YouTube early on. But now, while I think there are still most of the people out there, the people who are not listening to this podcast, are still the ones who are unhappy with their weight, they're unhappy with how they feel, their energy, and our industry needs to do a much better job of helping those people. I think a lot of people get caught up in trying to build status. I mean, building a brand, I think, is actually one of the most valuable things a fitness professional can do. How you do it matters. But I think a lot of people really what they seek is status. They want to feel important. And so they'll chase vanity metrics like social media following, right? Mm-hmm. And social media following can be very powerful if the people are real and if the messaging is good and it's designed to help people. But it's if it's really just to feel good about it and to think that you're you're better than because all of a sudden you have a few more people that follow you, then there's a problem. And sometimes people achieve that by grabbing onto polarizing, extreme, or even like nonsensical positions. The liver king is the best ultimate example of this, Mm -hmm. where his whole concept is preposterous, right? That he's somehow eating organ meat, exclusively organ meat, which is rubbish, is not not what he's doing. Doesn't bathe, right? I mean, he literally looks like he doesn't bathe, but he certainly like says he doesn't bathe, or like maybe it's like once a week. You know, and he's walking around in public looking like a homeless person. No, no disrespect or anything negativity about homeless people, but let's let's be honest here. Mm-hmm. And the guy has accumulated a lot of followers by by making these crazy promises, but and, and being extreme with his media. And anybody listening is probably not the person who's buying into his stuff, but you probably know someone who does get pulled into these 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 crazy things, these crazy promises. Now, anybody who's in the know knew this guy was absolutely juiced to the entire to his gills, right? He's full of steroids. Fine. And I'm not worried about judging that. Right. Because the industry also gets caught up in, oh, which actors are, who cares? Like, just who cares? Guess what? All of us grew up loving Hulk Hogan and WWE wrestling. These guys were all on drugs. We all love, like, Mark McGuire and the big home run hitter stuff. Oh, shit, they're on steroids. And, oh, we love our Arnold Schwarzenegger and our Sylvester Stallone and our, and our action movies, mostly out of the 80s. These guys are all on drugs, too. So... And then we get all like moral and twisted about this stuff. It's a smokescreen. Like 
don't even worry about that crap. But mm-hmm. when we have people who are visibly dishonest about their messaging, I think every realistic kind of knows, right? But to explain what's going on here, it's just a rush for status to make money. It's it's a shortcut. And we know that the people in the industry who take shortcuts are trying to appeal to the general population that want shortcuts. Mm-hmm. So it can feel really frustrating for the people who've gotten past all this and know, okay, we know that you have to eat healthy in moderation for a longer period of time. And we don't want to do extreme diets, fad diets that we fall off of and, you know, binge cycles of nutrition, whatever. And that, you know, these promises of supplements, well, supplements are maybe like less than 1% of what really matters, but we know the people who are like out there asking about, well, does this fat burner work? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, you you gotta, you gotta work on your nutrition. You gotta get active. You gotta stay active consistently. Right. And so we know that mindset, but when you can look at what's going on with some of our industry through that lens, and even people who sometimes seem more credible, they're still combative with other fitness professionals and they're building brand by fighting with other people. Now, there are reputable people, and I always use Lane Norton as an example of this. Lane creates tons of great information. He can be he can be polarizing. He's a bit bombastic. I like Lane. We've spoken at a conference together. You know, great guy. Really, really, really super guy when you get to know him in person. But he tends to, you know, call out some of the batshit crazy stuff in the industry. I think Lane's pretty good. Every once in a while, I think he misfires, but no one's perfect. But Lane is good at usually punching up at other people who have like massive followings who are mostly generally verifiable charlatans, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Liver King. Yeah. And, but I think a lot of other people, a lot of people in the industry make the mistake of thinking, well, ooh, Lane built his brand this way. Well, not really. Lane built his brand because he was writing stuff for bodybuilding.com. He was on the forums before that. And he has a ton of really great YouTube stuff. And he's got books and a massive legacy of, free education, right? Public speaking, you name it. And on top of that, there's social media that just gets bombastic. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of people are starting out with a bombast without actually having built any of the credibility of the resources. And they think, well, that's the ticket. But that strategy probably works best if you have an incredible foundation of credibility, education, and so on and so forth. So recognizing what's going on with the dynamics of these people can often help navigate well what's going on with this person all of a sudden they're popular they're making all these crazy claims if you notice that the credible evidence-based side of the industry is taking something that's popped up and basically calling it rubbish and then another good example there's sort of the, the biomechanics side of things again if you guys have seen some of this you get people like Dr. Mike Isertel and um, Brett Contreras is a PhD and, and and a handful of other people who have PhDs in exercise physiology, exercise science. And you get people who don't have any sort of educational credential who are running around and reinventing biomechanics and making all these sort of claims. And sometimes they're even quote, interpreting research. Mm-hmm. And if, and again, People who have been entrenched for a while, built a brand like Brett, they have their inherent biases. They do. Mm-hmm. But if the well-educated and established and highly credentialed, highly respected crowd are generally lining up and saying one thing, and they're calling bullshit on the new branded version of biomechanics, mm-hmm. it's a pretty safe bet that the established authorities are right and the other stuff is largely repackaged sometimes made up, I mean, sometimes it's nonsense and there's often good within the bad. Like any charlatan who posts on social media, there's an account, I won't name names that everybody, like people share this account like crazy, will share very solid, normal strength, evidence-based, nutrition-based stuff. I actually find this account, if I put up a post that goes popular within a few days, a week or so, there's a rewritten version of my post same concept and i've noticed this a few times i've seen this account do with other people that was a place i was gonna go because like it's all smoking mirrors on social media you can literally i almost got to the point now of where i don't even post anything educational anymore and i'm just kind of posting my life because 
you can copy and paste and rethink it's no nobody's organic thoughts anymore they're stealing it from somebody else or what they see so i want to come back to that because i have a thought there too but to finish with that specific account example that account will throw out lots of seemingly good stuff and then we'll say something stupid like how sugar is more dangerous than cocaine or is unhealthier than cocaine right so you get this bait and switch with this fucking rubbish so for everybody who feels hesitant about sharing your knowledge or wisdom your experience the reality is is there isn't anything new under the sun and a lot of people write their own version, their own voice, their own authentic way of expressing a fairly common, well-understood general sentiment. And my issue is not with this account. Like pl outright plagiarism is a problem. When someone literally copies and steals your stuff, that's a problem. And it's there's no point in policing who's like whose ideas they were first. But when there's a trend that I've noticed with this particular account that it always seems to, it, it definitely, and I think there's probably someone who works for that account, keeps an eye on the other <clears throat> popular accounts in the industry. And if they see something's doing really well, then that account pretty soon will write a repackaged version of it. And it's always, you know, too coincidental about the timing. Mm -hmm. But again, getting caught up in worrying about this stuff is, is, is useless. It's a complete waste of time. And if it discourages someone like yourself or anybody else listening from sharing something valuable, helpful, there, there's a whole bunch of reasons why I actually would encourage you personally to share something that even if you feel like it's been said 1,000 times before, okay? Your followers are probably not following most of the other people in the industry that you do, mm -hmm. okay? That's one. You, you are their go-to person. And if you do not show up to consistently serve them, then there, when we scroll on a feed, we can see one post at a time and something's going to take that space up. And if you're not taking that space up, somebody else will. And maybe that person is someone credible, like a Jordan Syatt, yeah. or maybe it's someone like the liver king, right? Depends on who that person is following or what the algorithm is showing them. Yeah. So in a way, we kind of have a duty to show up and serve people because those people want anybody who's chosen to listen to this episode is choosing to spend the time right now, mm -hmm. which tells me you guys should literally send Connie a message. And if you've never before, send her a message on social media and let her know that you're here listening. Okay. Like for real, do that. Okay. Give her a review, that sort of stuff. It gives back. Mm -hmm. so two, there are going to be people who understand these concepts, but the reminder, like what am I, my favorite response to anything is I needed this today. Mm -hmm. there are always going to be people who are in that spot. There's an inflection point. They need a kick in the butt that day. Maybe they're feeling a little bit lazy, demotivated, whatever they see it at it. Light bulb moment. Cool. They get their button gear. They go. I get tons and tons of messages or comments about this sort of thing. Right? Mm -hmm. And then ultimately the algorithm, the algorithm does not show all of the things to all of the people. And if you're like me, half of your feed are like cat videos. Right? <laughs> my, my two best friends, they just send me nothing but cat memes all the time. So all the filler is cats, which I, actually it's great compared to like any of the other rubbish that we're going right. to get. Cat videos are literally one of the best things you can use the internet for, right? For all of the power of the internet to like solve all the world's problems, we spend our time searching cat videos. But still, the algorithm will not show. So even if you had a post, I reuse content periodically. Mm -hmm. And not every follower of mine I saw it last time because of the algorithm. Also, at any given juncture, there are new followers coming in. So mm -hmm. it's still new to someone else. There are also people who may have left the the tribal ideology of some of the extreme nutbaggery that's out there in the industry. And they found someone more evidence-based. Mm -hmm. And they need this right now. Maybe this is their first exposure to it. Or maybe it's someone who has always struggled with unhealthy lifestyle behavior. and now has started to do a dive into people that are sharing better information because they're ready for a change. They are sick and tired of the way they felt somehow or other they caught on this better information and now they're going further and their lifestyle has changed and you're showing up and serving them when they need it. So there's all these great reasons to actually do it instead of, you know, fear of criticism or fear of ridicule or fear of the combative argumentative idiots in our industry policing what you're saying 
nobody who does that is like successful. Okay. That, right. That that's just status play in fighting to build clout or whatever within their little tribal group. Right. Ignore those people. Don't, don't engage with them. Just show up to serve the person at the end of the day who is self-selected to your message and your personality. Mm-hmm. And I say that to any fitness professional listening, I mean, if if someone is in some other walk of life, but you actually do have some sort of branded media on any social media, it's relevant no matter the industry. And and Connie, to you specifically, <laughs> to yeah. to to the, get the counter feeling discouraged about you know the stuff that's wrong with our industry because it's really easy to it's the same thing for the person who is struggling with fat loss or going to the gym. And then they they subscribed it. Well, oh, you know, I have bad genetics. Mm, no, not really, right? Um, that's overplayed. Um, or you know, there's, there's all of these different reasons that mm-hmm. are very easy to subscribe to to say this is why I can't. Right? right. And then fitness professionals can get caught in that same trap. Well, there's all these reasons why I shouldn't post on social media, why I shouldn't write the article, why I shouldn't start the podcast, why I shouldn't do the YouTube channel, etc. Right. But there are way more reasons to start and serve and help people. And if we don't do it, then the, the, the naysayers that we are afraid of, the people that, whether they're real or imagined, they're out there that don't want us to do it. We let them win. Yeah. Right. And we create more space for the bad faith actors that we get frustrated about. So I, I basically think that anybody in the fitness industry has zero right to complain about the bad faith actors. Mm-hmm. If they are not themselves actively trying to contribute to putting good information out there, building a brand in this space around integrity, and that's ultimately my philosophy when it when it comes to this stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really great philosophy, honestly. And it's one thing that I actually never even thought about is you are definitely making room for, for a lot of the other bad stuff. And I mean, to your point on other stuff, like as far as, um, how many followers these people have. Well, first of all, if these people were smart, they would realize that the ones that you buy don't convert into anything. So then you are taking up the space of somebody that could be actually converting to something. And second of all, a lot of these people that have, well, I, I, I personally coach a couple of really big time social media influencers, which has been interesting, uh, to look at. Yeah. Uh, And some of these people that are big are actually really not making that much money, right? People on the outside, they're thinking, oh, this person's making a ton of money. They must be doing really good. They must be coaching all these people. Well, some of these people really aren't. Um, And then you get over to the other part where people think that followers equates to knowledge, which is a big, huge mistake. Uh, I can tell you some of these social media influencers that I am currently coaching had a lot of missing information in their repertoire. And I literally started going through their lab work with them and stuff. And they were like, well, well, what's free T3? And these are people that are claiming to fix hormones and, and all of this kind of stuff. And I was like, and I had, I approached it like they already knew, which was a mistake as a coach. I should have never done that because based off of what was being portrayed on their social media. So you, you don't always know what you're dealing with on social media. Secondarily, if somebody has 8 million gazillion followers, I'm not saying they're a bad coach or anything like that. But if somebody is coaching, like I ran across one the other day, they said, uh, what did it say? Over a hundred thousand people helped or something. It was a crazy high number. And I was like, okay, well, if you're 25 years old and you've already helped over a hundred thousand people, I don't know where you're getting that metric, but you're probably too busy to do a really good job. (laughs) That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. I, I think take it with a grain of salt sometimes with people. It's tricky because I try to be very nuanced in any criticisms I level to the industry. And I hope that people just get better at filtering stuff that just doesn't seem legitimate. You know, we get the worst of them. These kids in our DMs, some 20-year-old, or they look like teenagers, leaning against a Lamborghini that we know doesn't belong to them, a million followers, which makes no sense because none of their media is shareable or engaging. Or and they're 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 not famous, right? There's there's no external fame or notoriety for them to actually have those followers. We know the whole goddamn thing's fake. And they're like, oh, I'll teach you about, you know, we we help social media people like get their engagement up. I'm like, motherfucker, listen. To <laughs> I actually, and I don't even advertise this, but I actually 
I have a lot of friends in the industry who are super successful through my travels and they come to me to actually figure out how to approach their social media. And these are people who are already very, very successful who've decided they want to, you know, build following and, and increase that reach. So we actually leverage what they've already done with, an, you know, highly engaging social media content that all of a sudden they get shared out there. And there's a ton of people who are like, shit, I've done his course. Oh, I've read his book, blah, blah, blah. And the media is good because they already have a proven track record of writing, creating good content. They just figure out a way to package it into social media that, again, highly shareable, highly engaging. And then they soak up the people who already know who they are and they gain a whole bunch of new followers who are like, wow, this person's stuff's really good. Mm -hmm. So it's you go about it the other way. I think that a lot of people are in too much of a rush, like I said, for social media following and status. I think it's very wise early in your career to pick a platform, especially like, you know, platforms that have growth potential and document what you're doing. And so that way you could grow a social media part of your brand as you concurrently grow your business and other aspects of your brand. I think where people get into trouble is if they only do the social media side and they get clever with it to the point where they may be able to grow more aggressively because there are ways mm -hmm. to do it. You know, if you're really entertaining with reels, video right now on things like TikTok and Instagram, there, there's incredible growth potential, especially with TikTok. But if there's nothing else, if you're not, if you don't have a website that has, you know, more in-depth articles, or if you don't have a good YouTube channel or a podcast or, or even much business infrastructure or an email list, and you're failing to be able to engage with this community in a more meaningful way and from the business side yeah it's it's monetizing your your followers which sort of sounds icky but it's true but it's also creating more ways to serve people mm -hmm. and i think there are some people will malign social media and say oh you can't learn anything from social media no you can learn an absolute shit ton from social media but it's the touch point it's the surface level point that you can then decide all right well, this person's information is good. What else they got? Mm -hmm. And if there's nothing else behind it, it's like, oh. So when someone finds my media and I'm study writing, so therefore usually that's what they get into, then they can go and like, oh shit, well, there's articles on a web. Oh shit, he writes for all these things. Oh shit, there's a podcast. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. Oh, there's public speaking. And all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, this, this person is probably a credible authority, mm -hmm. which is also how you build authority versus just social media following. I hope these insights are useful for the for the listener in how they navigate who they may follow and engage with too. Right. Yeah. And I think that's an important piece of things here that we're talking about is understanding the difference between some of these things and being able to navigate it. So that's really good. And I literally just had that talk with a coach the other day. He's been in the business far longer than me. And he's like, how in the heck did you do it? He's like everywhere. He's like, how did you build what you built? Like you've been at this half the time that I have. And I said, I have this, I've embedded myself into everything. I've on every podcast I can possibly be on. I am embedding myself into the internet. I, he's like, I Googled you. And I was like, holy cow. And I was like, yes. Yeah, so it's not all about social media either. There's so much other facets of it. And he didn't even have a website. And I was like, bro, we gotta, we gotta talk here. <laughs> you gotta get this all moving and have it flow. Like, okay, well click here. And now we have information here. And I said, you know, you've got to actually make it so that the consumer is getting something out of what you're putting out there. So anyway, but we kind of dove down that rabbit hole a little. I think it's a great thing to talk about. But in your years of being in fitness, what are some of the things that you really, really learned as far as things that you would or would not do are there some hard like sets or strategies that you use that you believe are really helpful? Uh, stuff like that. In what context are we talking in, about like tactical nutrition or are we talking about like the greater way of interacting with people? I, I think there's a, actually, you know, there's a couple good, good <laughs> things in there. Um, let's actually go with interacting with people because I think that right. that's a hard one. Okay. So really good uh, example of this. Literally, just before I got on on here, I rebooted an old post. And it's, and as much as I don't like policing what the industry does, everyone's, coaches have these pedantic little things that they like doing. And one of my favorite ones to pick at is the, the trainer that gets on social media and goes, there's no such thing as tone, right? There's only building muscle and there's only, and losing fat. It's like, tone isn't a thing. 
rubbish, complete nonsense. Uh, coaches, tone is absolutely a thing. It may not be the scientific, technical, you know, proper definition of something, but it is the language that the end user understands. And it is the thing that they say to us when they come and they sit down. How many coaches have had someone go, hey, you know, I don't want to get too bulky, but I just want to tone up. And coaches, some coaches have this thing where they can't help themselves. They're like, well, actually, tone isn't a thing, blah, blah, blah. This is someone who just sat down with you. You've probably been there less than 10 minutes. Yeah, they, they found you for some reason or other, but you've immediately shattered kind of the trust. You made them feel stupid. Mm-hmm. And you're not very likely to probably help that person, sell that person, and then ultimately get them where they need to be. My answer to that thing is always, I know exactly what you mean. And I just continue to listen. So it's the ability to listen instead of immediately going into the authority mode. Uh, there's a, a good book that I love because all this comes down to is just asking better questions and listening better. Mm-hmm. So the book's called The Coaching Habit by Michael Stainer. Uh, love the book. Very, very easy, accessible read. And then he does a follow-up called The Advice Trap. And The Advice Trap is this place where coaches, every newer coach, and we all sort of still struggle with it, the client says something, right? Or has a problem or what have you. And immediately we go right into advice mode. We provide the answer. We tell them what they need to do. Any experienced coach knows that on average, when you ask a lot of questions, you get the client to come arrive at the answer that they probably already know. Maybe they needed some help, some clarity, what have you. They're far more likely to choose to execute on that realization than if you just tell them here, go do this, this, this. Sure, one in 20 clients is a hyper, um, um, what, what, what's the word? I'm struggling with the word, um, just, just does everything you say, right? Mm-hmm. They are, they're hyper adherent. And you tell them what to do, they go do it, and they get crazy results. And I remember, you know, a few clients early in my career, I had a young kid walked up to me, this leather jacket hanging off of him. He was practically skeletal. And he said, hey, you're my new trainer because he'd been sold at the desk. He was assigned to me, came up and said hi. And over the course of the next several months, he trained consistently, did everything we talked about, uh, loved it, put on a ton of muscle, got super strong. He was a hyper, hyper um, responder. But, and then we, we all think, oh, we, we want, well, we wish we could all, all of our clients were like that, but that's not actually how it works. And honestly, that's also not coaching because again, you know, if, if you're the coach who's complaining on social media, oh, you didn't get results because you didn't follow the plan. It's like, mm-hmm. no, that's not coaching. That's programming. You're mm-hmm. a shitty coach because you're actually not going in to where things got difficult and complicated and real life happened and schedules got in the way and kids got sick and, you know, sleep was poor. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's coaching. And that's the stuff where you start asking a lot of questions and you get into the person's real experience when it's messy. It doesn't mm-hmm. follow the plan. This is why periodization is pretty much a waste of time for the general population. Mm-hmm. You show up with a great plan and they come in there and they're tired and it's like, oh, well, plan's out the window. Yeah. Uh, well, and to that point is this is kind of a funny little side note on that. I tell people when I first start onboarding them because they're like, I want to work out five days a week and I want to do this. And I said, OK, no, no, no. I said, we got to talk about what's be really realistic. Like what happens when you got to go to soccer and jujitsu and like do this and do that. I said, let's be really realistic here because right now you're doing like zero or nothing or maybe a little bit. I said, if I build you the perfect program for five days a week and you can't go, then it's not the perfect program anymore. So we have to look at what is realistic and what do you think you can envision yourself doing long-term that is not going to stress you out or make you feel like you failed. And that's the first thing I address when I start onboarding a new client. Absolutely. And it comes down to listening. It comes down to empathy. I mean, mm-hmm. as we get more experience in on our side of the industry, sure, we get better at knowing this stuff. And it, it's not looking for perfectly adherent clients. It's actually understanding that the real value of the experience, of the coach is to help the person when the person is struggling. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you can get really good at listening and drawing out what's going on from the person who's struggling, that's where you will develop a legacy as a really impactful coach and you will really change lives. Mm-hmm. So it, it is not this like lecture on, oh, tone is not a thing. And there's all sorts of these pedantic little things. Another one of my favorite ones, and this one gets coaches twisted, 
is if someone dares to put up a social media post that says the gym is my therapy and they're like, no, the gym is not therapy. Only therapy is therapy. Literally fuck off with that shit. That's nonsense. <laughs> um, I train a cardiologist and he is like, quote, no, the gym is therapy. Literally whatever you think it's this virtue signal that preserves the sanctity of this, like this, this thing there. Okay. Therapy phenomenal intervention like there's no one is saying that therapy is invaluable okay for, for starters you don't have to defend it it's a figure of speech it is literally someone who basically finds tremendous value for the physical and their mental health in the gym there are a lot of those people we don't need to point out the fact that well there are a lot of people who go to the gym who are super dysfunctional emotionally okay cool we fucking know that that that's that's life like there's lots of people who do lots of healthy stuff and then they still have their dysfunctions it doesn't mean that going to the gym is not still beneficial for their physical and their mental health and no one is discouraged well only oh most people are not discouraging people from going and seeking proper you know emotional health interventions mm -hmm. we also have to acknowledge the fact that these things are often very expensive and quite the privilege to have access to mm -hmm. so i find that it's the same crowd who tend to get on with that stuff who are the ones who are policing language like that. What are we accomplishing? You're really just, again, infighting within the industry, status, clout, that sort of nonsense. Mm -hmm. And it all comes down to the fact that these people are completely missing the point of actually speaking the language of and helping the end user who mm -hmm. just wants to feel better, right? And it even exists within people who fight over like different dietary ideologies, okay? And, and while I think sharing better information is essential, we talked about that, and combating misinformation is also valuable where done appropriately. But at the end of the day, if the person there caught on the sidelines looking like, I, I just need help. Like mm -hmm. I don't, I, I'm confused. I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. If you lose sight of that person and you're not speaking to that person first, then you're not part of the solution. Mm -hmm. right? And if there's any coaches listening and any of this stuff is kind of twisting at you a bit, Get your head straight on what's important. And I'm not going to be, I'm not going to sugarcoat that one. You have a choice right now to get straight on that, or you can continue to play the stupid games that these other people are doing. And for the end user, this is a great way to filter who you follow and where you get information from. Who's the person who speaks to you empathetically mm -hmm. versus the people who are doing all the other rubbish that we talked about. Well, that's another huge thing to jump on here. And that is you get some of these coaches that are so wrapped up in building their brand and building their clientele that they kind of leave the other clientele in the dust. And that was one thing that was huge for me when I got into this business was I didn't, I wanted to focus all of my energy on the people that I was working with. And those people will bring you more people. Like you're taking such good care of them. I mean, at this point, I would say probably 90% of my client base is by referral. And most of the time I have a completely full roster. I can't even take more people. And so it's if you take really good care of the people that you have, A, you're going to keep those people. It's a whole lot easier to keep the people that you already have. I can tell you, uh, anybody that onboards new clients, I don't know what their process is, but it's a little bit stressful. Um, it takes a lot of time and it's, it's, uh, I would much, and it's hard to get to know somebody sometimes to get started. I would much rather keep the people I have. So I, I have some people still from four years ago and going back to that, the empathetic side of things and the coaching side of things, those people are perfectly capable of training themselves or coaching themselves. But you know what? They want that call every two weeks. It might be counseling, therapy, whatever you want to call it, but they want that call every two weeks. They want to be able to chat. They want to be able to uh, voice their frustrations or their wins with somebody else that's outside of their normal family circle. This is something that I struggled with early in my career. Was the feeling like with some clients that they weren't making the amount of progress that I felt they were supposed to make, right? And it took a little while, but then I, then I came to this grand realization that it's actually not about my goals for the client. It's about the person's goals and their desires. And you do this long enough and you start to realize that some clients and oftentimes the best clients to work with are the people who 
show up because they have the appointments, because they actually want to be held accountable. Trainers forget that most of the people we train do not love or live within fitness to the degree to which we do. And most probably never will get there. They can learn to love it, appreciate it, have it as part of, you know, more a part of their identity than when they started. But they very, very few will ever kind of approach where we are. Mm -hmm. So we file that away. And then also, a lot of people are very happy with the relationship experience. A lot of people are happy being active on a consistent basis, knowing full well that it's better for blood sugar, uh, blood pressure, their bone mineral density. And maybe they have appreciation for the fact that they don't want to be cover, magazine cover model lean, uh, but they want to feel good. They want to have good energy. And if they're making some gradual progress to, to lose weight, there's people who definitely want more. Mm-hmm. But a lot of those people are very happy with the ongoing relationship and they have the resources to be able to do it. It's an important part of their life. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be very careful not to push them to do what we think they should be ultimately doing. We also have to counter that by making sure that we are actually challenging them Mm -hmm. because, you know, once we're really clear on their goals, I mean, we still do want to make sure that they're making progress. Mm -hmm. And we want to ask questions to unlock well, where are the bottlenecks that are interfering with the progress that they initially said they wanted? Mm-hmm. But there are going to be a lot of people who, on a consistent basis, showing up, keeping it as piece of their routine, and they don't necessarily have very extreme goals when it comes to results, or they're not necessarily on like hard timelines. And we have to be emotionally at peace and recognize that the value of their experience of results is not in you know, a a really crazy transformation before and after photo, but it's just an ongoing experience in life. And if you embrace that, you can become a very big part of their everyday routine. And having that client in, in your world, week in, week out, year over year, is the foundation for a very successful business. And, And like you, I have plenty of people who've been with me for many years um, you know, I look at, so I got a couple of guys who are retired. Larry gets a lot of play on my media. Larry's really strong. He's 73, but I have another client who's also 73 and they get along. They actually like each other. They went and, went and sat down and had dinner together uh, recently. And Neil is less inclined towards like lifting the heaviest things possible, but he definitely wants to feel strong. He looks great. He's great energy and he understands how important this is for him. But at the same time, there are certain things about the lifestyle that he doesn't really want to give up, but he he's able to look around and see, you know, his aging friends who are not engaged in strength training and the difference between how his he's he's gotten leaner and he's improved and he's capable of going out and doing downhill skiing at 23 or sorry at 73 or doing, you know, a week long bicycle tour, you know, across parts of Canada. Like he can go and do this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And And not everybody around him is able to do this sort of stuff anymore. And he can see visible decline in people that he's known for years. Mm -hmm. And And that's a huge, huge thing. Honestly, like looking at the people that like, I know so many people when I used to be in dentistry, that was my original career. And uh, I had people would come in and sit in my chair and I would compare, they would be like my age and they were already like, totally decrepit and out of shape and like they couldn't go for walks with their young children and like things like that and and I started going like I would analyze that you know and I and I do that the same with with people that are more aged it's like you see these people that are either in a walker at 73 or they're doing bicycle tours and who do you want to be you know I always joke with people when I'm in the gym they're making fun of me about my crazy lifting heavy habits and I'm like well I'll be able to get on the toilet when I'm 80 you know <laughs> like and I'm good with pushing these emotional buttons um, because I think these examples are visceral. One of my favorite lenses to look at everything through is to to picture you um, five years from now or m- way further in the future. But visualize a real, like the real person, you as an older person. And you can reverse this by going back, you know, thinking back five to 10 years ago and key decisions that you made juncture is that you made a healthier choice that set you on a different path and think about how grateful you are 
that you in the past made those choices. And also you can think about something that you did in the past, something happened that you regret and you can't go back and change. So future you will be looking back upon this moment as, you know, maybe it's just something routine that you did. You continue to make good choices or where you made a major turn for the better and be very grateful that you made that healthy choice or be very regretful that you didn't. But if you humanize that, that future you, it becomes a real person instead of a far off abstract concept that because humans are wired to seek comfort, pleasure, immediate gratification, right? We're delaying gratification. That's fundamental, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And we're far more likely to make an empathetic decision that affects a real person versus an abstract far off concept. So this framework can help with the way that we look at our choices today. So mm-hmm. I really like doing this whole thing through that lens. Mm-hmm. So I've got another thing for you. You mentioned thing back there when we were talking about the the magazine cover, right? Uh, I've found with social media, you have a lot more women that are coming to you. <laughs> they're They're overweight. They're out of shape. Uh, and they're like, they bring a picture like that or they're a, a, a mm-hmm. social media account. And they're like, I want to look like this. And that comes back to the like tone. You don't want to argue with the toned versus uh, what tone is and all of that kind of stuff. But there's also a, a portrait of realism being placed in our current standard that's not real. And I recall looking at this the other day, there was a woman on social media clearly has an eating disorder, uh, talking about fitness stuff and doing videos with her kids in the background. And I was thinking these children are watching this woman with these terrible (laughs) habits and they're learning that. And what's that going to place on her daughter? You know, like what kind of emotional hat, you you know what I'm saying? Um, but, but going back to the, the, you also have to be able to kind of without bursting somebody's bubble, be like, Hey, you know, we can work towards a fit body. I don't know what that's going to look like for you. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) and this comes down to trust. So you can definitely turn around to say to that person, there, it will be a way to communicate that, you know, that someone on the cover of a magazine, should that literal example happen and just say, so just so that I, I make sure that, you you do know this that these magazines they they airbrush and they photoshop these people so oftentimes what also happens and I'll, maybe i'll use an example that doesn't attack their example but you see an actor in a movie who's got like shredded abs for a scene right maybe it's chris hemsworth and thor or hugh jackman and some of the wolverine stuff and i literally am friends with don salino who trained hugh for the earlier x-men movies to get him in shape for that stuff right he he works with half the marvel cinematic universe he's ryan reynolds trainer so and you get these people to understand that these these photos and these images and again if you shift it to something that's not their personal example it kind of takes away attacking their example mm-hmm. and we say to them you know this is sort of a an unsustainable ideal in a moment of time <clears throat> and oftentimes there's also editing mm-hmm. so with that being said Let's come up with a plan that helps you lose fat, but be able to sustain it for the long term. So that way we don't have these cycles of up and down, like some of the other things that go on in these magazines and get you strong and get you feeling really good and improve your energy. And there's going to come a day where, where you are now, yes, we are going to gradually get closer and closer and closer to this ideal that you have, which should feel really good. But you may actually, over time, your goals may shift, right? And then you may realize that the goal to have a little bit more muscle mass, to be stronger, to have energy feels way better than what maybe trying to look like this magazine cover will look like. And if you're good at your messaging and you have practice empathy within that and you're listening to what they're really saying, I don't think you'll have any trouble navigating that conversation. Mm -hmm. And here's the flip side. There will be people who will sit in front of you that they're not the right client for you. They're not in the right place. And yes, we want to try to save everybody, but we can't save everybody. And the woman with the kids in the background, think about this. All right. So we're, 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 we're seeing an example of like modeling unhealthy relationship with food, but isn't 
more than half of North America raising their children with an unhealthy relationship with food in a different way. Absolutely. It's okay, but it's like, that's actually the norm now. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, is that ever existentially threatening to like think about? Because mm-hmm. we can't possibly change it all. But all we can do is to try to impact the person in front of us, uh, help them. And if we can scale resources through various forms of social and long form media, then we may be able to positively influence more and more people. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the best thing we can do really be of service to the person in front of us and and hope that our legacy improves enough lives that it it you know leaves the world a better place than kind of we found it does mm-hmm. that make sense Absolutely. i think we have i think we kind of have to be at peace with that mm-hmm. yeah well and so interestingly enough you know some of these things we always learn we learn the hard way right so i'm definitely one of those people where i've gotten i've had so many ups and downs and a lot of times the downs are the most valuable pieces of the journey but uh I will never forget, um, my daughter was probably three or four. The whole beginning of her life, I was in bodybuilding. The whole beginning from from her being really small all the way until she was four or five years old. And And I'll never forget when I quit bodybuilding, I didn't have a shredded six pack anymore. And I was tucking her into bed and I think I had a sports bra and some shorts on. It was the summertime. And she goes, mom, you have fat on your belly. And I remember like four or five year old to notice that. Right. And I was like, holy shit. What have I just taught this kid? Like, that was all I could think of was like, here I've been eating fish and asparagus and going to the gym, which gym time was always early in the morning when everybody was always sleeping. But, um, my child's never seen me anything other than an unhealthy body composition ever. And that was when I had to start having these talks like, oh, this is normal. This is not normal. I mean, like this, this fat here is normal. Where I used to be is not normal. That was only a little piece of things, you know, and start educating on that stuff. And they also realize that in my home, I can't be on a diet. I can't be talking about my weight. I need to be very very tuned into the message that I am sending to my kids, not only my five-year-old, four or five-year-old, but also have a 16-year-old boy. And you would think that boys are a little less, um, a little less impressionable with that kind of thing, but absolutely not. Like he, he, next thing you know, he's like, my abs aren't showing very much. I, I maybe need to go on a diet at like 16. And you're like, uh, uh, I was like, you know, I don't think dieting would be right for you right now, son. I think if you want to build a little bit more muscle, you should probably continue to eat, right? Like, uh, but these are these are the things that we don't realize we are placing upon our kids' plate without even knowing it. Yeah, it's the environment they're growing up in. And mm-hmm. they, I mean, we have probably at least a generation, if not two of, and I think, as you said, men can be susceptible to this, but certainly women more so where the messaging from their moms was often around dieting. Right. And we don't have enough time to go into like a lot of the complex, like the industry also likes to virtue signal over dieting, right? Because then you get all this anti-diet stuff. And usually if I see someone who's peddling anti-dieting, that to me is a red flag too, because I think that's just brand clout reaching as well. And again, I wish I had more time to kind of really explain what I think here, but at the end of the day, there is the science behind it all. And I think there has to be the evidence, the empathetic message that reaches people, meets them where they are, met with the actual science of it. And a diet, if approached properly, mm-hmm. and again, got to be careful about, you know, kids absorbing these sort of messaging is it's a, it's a temporary planned approach to changing body composition, right? Fat loss, mm-hmm. sometimes it's muscle gain with the intention to then shift phases to maintenance and long-term sustainability. So that's why I'm actually fine with the idea of a an evidence-based planned approach to a diet. Mm-hmm. So when I hear people getting on with like, oh, diet culture, it's like, no, I, I know you're an ideological nut job who is mm-hmm. just trying to sell people something that will comfort them versus actually help people. Because again, it's like, 
you get these people, the extremists who are telling telling, oh, there's no real complicated shit. People get offended by this crap, but there's no relationship between obesity and long-term health outcomes. Bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. There's a massive, massive relationship there. And you get these people, and again, they're they're social ideologues, they're not evidence-based practitioners who are peddling this narrative that it's it's okay and healthy to be obese for the long term. Listen, mm-hmm. everybody deserves empathy, and we really want to approach this messaging with with nuance. But again, to the person who who's there going, I don't feel good. I don't feel healthy. I don't I don't feel confident. I don't want this. Mm-hmm. Can you help me? The answer is not to tell them, no, 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 it's okay. It's it's healthy. You need to love yourself. Mm-hmm. Empathy. But you need to help this person work towards what they want, not l- lecture them and say to them, no, 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 you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Everything is perfectly fine the way it is when they don't feel fine. Complicated right. conversation. But again, it's it's listening to what they want, how they feel, and to be the person who helps them in an ethical, empathy-based, evidence-based manner mm-hmm. versus letting them find them find themselves in the hands of someone who doesn't care about them, just cares about their money. Um, or the again, the, the ideologues on the other side who are going to lie to them, tell them comforting lies, and just who just want the the status to have the followers of their ideology and that has no root in in evidence either so in, in almost any form and i'll leave with this is the extremes of almost any of these things are dangerous mm-hmm. and the people who are at the extremes whether it's <clears throat> any social or excuse me you know nutritional training ideology they really just care about building their own status they don't care about you the end user and your outcome and how you feel so look for people who clearly care about you actually being happier, healthier, feeling good, giving you resources that will help uh, and and start to recognize and discard the people who are clearly out to just build themselves up. And and again, I think it's actually quite valuable to build a, a good brand as a fitness pro- professional because you can then do a lot of good and you can help more people. Mm-hmm. But I think motives shine through if you pay enough attention. So I'll leave it at that. I really appreciate yeah. you having me on. Yeah, I appreciate you. And I, uh, how do people get a hold of you? How do they find you and look into your stuff? Everything I do is on my Instagram. So at Andrew Coates Fitness, you can message me. I respond to everything except spam. And no one here is going to be spamming me. Like you guys literally ask me anything. It's like any questions are welcome. And then if I have new episodes of my podcast, I re- I put those up on my social media. If I have articles published anywhere, those go up on my social media. Usually everything goes through my story. And if I have any public speaking events coming up, I'll be in Vegas for the Lifestyle Enhancement, I'm trying, the Leo Conference. I, I, I got to remember the title. Um, and that one's at the end of July. It'll be all over my social media. And then I'm at the, I'm speaking at several things at the CanFit Pro Global Trade Show and Expo. And that's in Toronto, August 16th through 20th. My appearances are all on the 18th and the 19th. And there's a few more things that are in the works that aren't official yet. And then my event, which we're going to retitle, um, but it's going to be in Edmonton, October 13th and 14th. And I should have web website registration open literally this week as of recording. And then I'll have more info for people. So if you're a fitness professional who wants to get out to uh, a conference and really meet the industry and like minds, check out my event in October. And then there's going to be another one that I'll speak at again, raise the bar. It'll be back in February. I was there this year. Uh, and that's a really great insider event as well that my friends put on. It'll have a superstar lineup. So oh, hopefully wait. I'll uh, catch you in my travels if you're a fitness professional. And if you're if you're a regular old enthusiast, I love serving and helping you guys ask me questions on my Instagram, please. All right. Well, I appreciate all of this. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about me, my online programs, or to inquire about coaching, please visit www.conninightingale.com. And remember, nothing in the contents of this show is intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any illness, and it is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult with your primary care physician before implementing any new health protocols.